Hi, welcome to Teach Me Biology, our revision podcast for A-level biology students. I'm Ria Corbett. And I'm Sarah Matthews. Sarah Matthews. Biology A-level topic by topic to hopefully provide you, our lovely listeners, with an audio revision resource. Yes, we hope that you incorporate us into your revision and as a part of your learning journey. Dip in and out, listen to the episodes on your weaker topics or use us as your audio biology bible. Whatever you need us for, we are here. Episode 82, we are looking today at what we call gene linkage. So we're looking at all the genetic crosses that involve some form of linkage between um, well, between chromosomes uh, for, for some reason. Okay, So we're going to look at the use of fully labelled genetic diagrams to, to interpret or predict the results of crosses involving sex linkage, autosomal linkage, and then we're also going to look at um, multiple alleles as well and just go over what that concept is. So, but before we do that, we are going to, for the second time, we're going to talk about our friends over at Big Biology. The Big Biology podcast dives deep on some of the most provocative and exciting topics in biology today, in a fun and accessible way. The hosts are Art Woods and Marty Martin, and they are themselves biology professors, and in each episode they talk to leading scientists and journalists from around the world about the biggest and most cutting-edge topics in biology. From human consciousness, human origins, new directions in evolutionary theory, to the emergence and spread of zoonotic diseases like COVID-19 and much more, whether you are a researcher, teacher or a student, or simply curious about science and biology, you'll love the entertaining and deep conversations about biology and the exposure to new research they bring. Learn more at bigbiology.org and subscribe, rate and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. So that, that is a sort of podcast that's right up the street of anyone that is studying biology to the level that we are discussing every episode. So, And it of course was one of our wider readings very, very early on and also just something that I personally listen to as well. So we absolutely have no problem in giving them a little bit of our airtime, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, go over and give them a go. So we have 46 chromosomes altogether, 23 pairs, all right? Now, the pair that we're going to be focusing on mostly now is pair 23, which are the sex chromosomes. Okay. So if you are a biological female, what chromosomes do you have? X. How many? Two. Yes, so two X chromosomes. And as a biological female, I'd only be able to make gametes with X chromosomes in. So one, obviously you can only put one chromosome of each pair into a sex cell, egg and sperm. So females making eggs, they'll put one X into each one. Okay, males? Mm, X and a Y? X and a Y, that's right, yeah. So again, they can make sperm. Some of those sperm will have an X chromosome in. Some of those sperm will have a Y chromosome in. So depending on which sperm fertilises the egg will depend on the gender of the offspring. So you've got a 50-50 chance of, of producing an XX baby or an XY baby. The Y chromosome is in fact actually quite a lot smaller 
than the X chromosome and it's quite differently shaped, okay? So if you were to put an X chromosome next to a Y chromosome, there would be a part of the X chromosome that didn't have a matching part. So there'd be a missing bit and we call the section on the X chromosome that doesn't have the matching part on the Y chromosome, we call that the non-homologous section because there's a chance that there's going to be a gene there that doesn't have a corresponding allele or gene to go with it. Mm -hmm. Does that kind of make sense? So there's no point in discussing whether or not it's dominant or recessive because it's going to get expressed anyway because they've only got the one. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why a lot of characteristics that are sex-linked, which means that those genes are found on the sex chromosomes or chromosome pair 23 that's why they are mostly going to be affecting males because they only have the one X chromosome. They're going to have a missing part on their Y. So they're going to express things even if it's recessive because it's the only thing they've got and it's got less genes. Yeah, so most genes that are sex-linked are carried on that X chromosome in that non-homologous portion. So, as I said, males with only one X chromosome will only contain one copy of that and so then they will express it anyway so even if it's recessive condition like colour blindness and haemophilia the two they're going to talk about they're going to express it if they've only inherited just the one allele for it okay because normally with a recessive condition you have to inherit it from both parents we'll start first of all with haemophilia what do you know about haemophilia Haemophilia is a disease uh, where you your blood doesn't clot and it mainly affects boys. Yeah, so you've got like a faulty protein that's being made. It's obviously the, the gene that you have to make this protein that helps you clot your blood. If it's mutated or faulty, if that section of DNA with all the bases, if it's being read and it doesn't make the protein that is the correct version, your blood won't clot properly. So you've got that mutated DNA base sequence. Or the blood just clots too slowly, depending on mm -hmm. what the mutation is. It's not entirely confined to males, but it's mostly confined to males. A female would need to inherit it on both their X chromosomes. They'd have to have the recessive on both. So they'd have to have a carrier female and a, an affected father, like a, a sufferer for a father. Obviously, the males only need to inherit it once on their X chromosome. I was sort of looking in, like, through the books, reading about this, and um, it was saying that haemophiliac, there are, they do exist, but they don't live past puberty because once they start menstruation and stuff, it just they they, they can't survive because there's mm -hmm. no way of stopping the bleeding. So, well, there is ways, but it, it's too traumatic, I suppose, in terms of blood loss. Yeah, so mostly confined, almost entirely actually confined to males it's not likely that you would find a female with it so with this we're going to talk through the resource on teachmescience.co.uk to sort of go through just a couple of examples of how that is inherited so when you're looking at sex linked inheritance there's a specific way that you have to draw the alleles for each of the genotypes okay so in this case we're going to have our x and our y chromosomes represented but we're also going to show that if it's X capital H or X little h or Y, then what each of those mean. So if you've got either a superscript H or a subscript H, it doesn't really matter as long as it's smaller. 
So if you've got X capital H, what would that the allele be for that? What would that mean? I don't know. So if it's recessive, so haemophilia is recessive, and we normally use a lowercase for that, don't we? Right. So if you've got X big H... It's dominant. That's the dominant allele, and that is the, that's the non-mutated allele, which would make X little H suffer. That's the haemophilia allele. And then you've got Y, and right. Y doesn't carry that allele. It doesn't have that section. In the case of the resource, we're just going to look at how this works out. So we've got a male and a female, obviously, because it's inheritance. Tell me about the male in this case, Sarah. That one. Yeah. So the male has X little h, Y. So he has got it. Has got it, yeah. He's yeah. a sufferer. That's right. And then um, we've got the female. She has not got it. She doesn't have it. So she's got two non-haemophilia alleles. X big H. Yeah? So you do your cross. So you do your cross as normal. So you fill in your Punnett square with the cross. And these are all the possible offspring that we have. So we'll start with X big H, X little h. What gender? Well, that's going to be a girl. It's a girl. She's got a little h. She's got a little h. Is she a sufferer? I don't know. She can't be because it's recessive. So you have to inherit it. Oh, twice. she's got the big h. She's got the big h. So, so none of them have got it. No. So if you've got a non-carrier, non-sufferer mother with a sufferer father, you will only produce potential carriers. Yeah. Female carriers. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So let's go through all the offspring then. So, so we've got X, big H, X, little H, carrier, p potentially. So if it's got a little H, it's a carrier? Yeah. So potentially could pass that allele on to their, her son who could, who could have it. Yeah. Yeah. X, big H, Y. Not got it. Not got it. Male, not got it. They've got two of them. And then you've got the same again. Big a carrier. H, little, little H, carrier, female. Okay. <clears throat> so you're going to produce either carrier females or you're going to produce healthy males. That's it. If you were to take the next version of this, so if you were to take healthy male with carrier female, okay, so you've got your healthy male, X, big H, Y, crossed with your carrier female, X, big H, X, little H, okay. What about that? They've both got little H's, but I thought you needed two. You need two, yeah. So have we got a sufferer in this no. cross? What was that one? Yeah. Okay. So, Sarah but you said needed two. two. But remember, the Y chromosome doesn't contain a homologous section. So it's a boy with it. A boy with it. Okay. Yeah. So for a sufferer, you were going to have X little H, Y, because the Y chromosome doesn't have the corresponding section of that chromosome. It's smaller. So if you inherit X H, that's it. You're expressing X H because it's the only allele you have. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we've got a healthy female in the top left-hand corner, so X big H, X big H. You've got the next one next to it, so you've got X big H, X little H. Carrier. Carrier female. Bottom left-hand corner. Healthy. X big H, Y, healthy. Oh, uh, that is a boy. A healthy boy, healthy male. And then, as we've just said, the percentage chance then of having a sufferer male is? 25. 25, okay. So healthy to carrier to sufferer, you've got like, you know, you, what is it? It's two to one to, to one or something like that, isn't it? In terms of, you've got two, two, two healthy, two healthy, one carrier, one, one carrier, that's got it. One that's got it yeah. So 
really we're just sort of making sure that we understand that that Y chromosome is crucial in actually being the reason why males suffer so much more from sex-linked characteristics because there's nothing to stop that little recessive allele being expressed. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to, to be a dominant one, okay? So if you think about it, how could we get a female with it? Would, like, mum have to be a carrier and dad have to have it? Yeah, you'd have to have a carrier mum and a sufferer dad. And then have a girl. And then have a girl, yeah. So, that's haemophilia. Something that we actually have a bit of experience of in our family is the colour blindness. We had this discussion yesterday about our brother-in-law, Josh, who has colour blindness. Bless him. And it's not very nice, is it? No. And it's getting worse. If we look at the next, I think it's the next resource, so it'll be the next slide down from that, is just a very simple Punnett square for colour blindness. It's exactly the same context, really, in that you have got um, a recessive condition. So colour blindness being recessive. For a female to be colour blind, they would need to inherit it twice. For a male, they would only need to inherit it once because it's obviously carried in that non-homologous section. In this case, on this diagram, we've got our X and our Ys and they are superscripted by the letter B. Capital B being the dominant healthy, small b being the soft. So we've got a normal, a carrier, a normal and a colour blind. Yeah, good. So Sarah's looked at it straight away. So with the parents that we've got, we've got a carrier mother and a healthy male, so no colour blindness in the male. And yeah, so we've got, same as before, it's that two to one to one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Chance. So you've got two opportunities of producing a, an offspring that doesn't have it at all, healthy, not carrying, one opportunity to produce a carrier female and one opportunity to produce a suffering boy. That is sex linkage. And it, when drawing it, you've just got to remember that you have to show the X and the Y. And then you have to superscript the letters to show the recessiveness. And just make, keeping in mind, if you have a male who has inherited one recessive allele for that condition, they are suffering from it. And the females will be carriers, not sufferers, because they would need to inherit it twice. So I think they're the sort of takeaways, really, for sex linkage mm-hmm. uh, or sex-linked characteristics. We're going to move on to look at uh, autosomal linkage, because... Autosomal linkage is basically when you're inheriting something that's not on sex chromosomes, just on any other chromosome, but they have to be on the same chromosome, okay? So an autosome is a non-sex chromosome, so all the others, basically, that you've got that aren't X and Y chromosomes. We've talked before about dihybrid crosses, haven't we? Dihybrid crosses look at genes that are being inherited on different chromosomes, whereas this is looking at alleles that are look, being inherited on the same chromosome, so they're linked to each other because they're found on the same chromosome. So this would actually make it a lot easier. Because they're on the same chromosome, you wouldn't have the possibility of all the different options of them meeting up does that kind of make sense Mm. so remember when we did dihybrid and there was like four genotypes because there was four possibilities that's massively reduced because they're on the same chromosome so you can only put one in of each does that make sense like we can only put one in and that's it and they've both they've got both alleles on it if that makes sense so that stops it from being like four different possibilities they have to stay together in the sense that there can't be any crossing over do you remember what crossing over is 
No. So do you remember when we talked about meiosis at AS? And we talked about how when meiosis takes place, which is basically cell division to make the sex cells, make the gametes, sometimes the chromosomes can get entwined and then they break and they twist and they break off and they swap. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So different sections of the homologous chromosomes that are next to each other, they could entangle. That puts pressure on the DNA, it puts pressure on the structure, and it breaks it off. And then when it reattaches, it reattaches to the wrong chromosome. Differently. Differently. So it's that equal portions of chromosomes have swapped over, which actually increases the variety because you've made completely unique chromosomes. You've increased that variety in your offspring. But for autosomal linkage to show, to, to actually work, there can't be any crossing over. So you can't have, they have to stay together, these chromosomes with these genes on. And they're inherited together every time. So all we've got here is a, an example of fruit flies that is fairly standard. It'll be the one that probably is in all the textbooks and revision guides to discuss autosomal linkage. We've got two linked genes on the fruit fly Drosophila, Malangaster. And I'll tell you what, I hate fruit flies. We've had a bit of an infestation in our kitchen and it's been awful. It's not and boring. I know, I'm not <laughs> going to talk about it too much, but we found out where they were anyway and where they were coming from. So the two linked genes are body colour and wing size. So you can either have grey or black. So grey being the dominant one, okay, yep. being the big G, black being the little G. And then you've got normal and vestigial wings. So normal wings just being normal wings, vestigial wings being so tiny and so small that they don't work, okay? Oh. So vestigial wings are that. And that would actually affect that, that fruit fly in quite a lot of different ways. If it's got a vestigial wing, it might be that um, the wings are a part of the courtship behaviour. So they would like flap their wings a certain amount of time or cause certain vibrations with the wings. And the vestigial wing the fruit flies can't do that. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't find mates or be able to allure a mate in. So they would struggle to pass that gene on. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A big N would be your normal size wings. Little N would be your vestigial wings. Vestigial being the recessive. It's a really straightforward cross. It is dihybrid, but it's dihybrid in the sense that you've only got two possible parent genotypes because you're not going to mix, you cannot mix those genes up. For the top pair, for both parents actually, big G, big N are on the same chromosome. So it's not possible for them to mix up. So that's it, that's what you're going to have to, that's what you're passing on. Does that make sense? And then your other chromosome is going to be little G, little N, and that's all you can pass on. So you can see all the possible offspring. So it's not going to be like a typical, um, this is the F2 generation where you've got the heterozygous for both. And you're not going to get that 9 to 3 to 3 to 1 ratio that you would expect to get because they're autosomally linked. So you're not going to get that normal phenotypical ratio. So you can see all the possible offspring based on what they're going to inherit. Again, you've got the four possible offspring. So it's 2 to 1 to 1, isn't it? And then lastly, just to talk about multiple alleles. There isn't really a resource for this because it is fairly straightforward. It just basically, under normal circumstances, we've talked about things where, like with diseases, it's um, healthy or not, isn't it? Whereas sometimes you, you can have multiple alleles, like we talked about with eye colour really, because you can have blue, brown, green, you know, they're, they're multiple alleles. 
And blood group is one of those things. There are three alleles for blood group. You can have A, B or O. And then you've got the co-dominance for A and B. It's just basically, the, the idea of multiple alleles is when there's more than two alleles for that particular characteristic. The possible outcomes for blood group, there's, there's going to be there's six different genotypes that you can have for the genotypes of, of um, blood group, depending on what you inherit. Obviously, you could be AA, you could be BB, you could be OO. So if you could be homozygous for, the, for each one, if you were AO, you'd be A. If you were A, mm -hmm. if you were BO, you'd be B. O is recessive to everything else. If you were AB, you would be AB. You've got a co-dominant inheritance there. And then if you were OO, o -O, you're just O, which a lot of people are. What are you? O negative. O negative. I must be O negative. I must be O positive. I think everyone else is O positive. Yeah. That kind of is the concept there of that. But the crosses would be the same as any other cross. You, there isn't really a multiple allele cross because... You only have homologous pair, can't you? If you're only going to have one on one and one on the other, you're not going to have three alleles. So it's not. It's just the concept that there are possibility that, that there's just more alleles than just two, but you're only going to have two. Yeah. So, you know, for us, we're O, which means we have two O alleles and that's it. We're not hiding an A or a B somewhere that's not being expressed. Does that mean that our parents are O as well? Yeah, our parents must be O. Because if there was any A's or B's in there, one of us would be A or B, and, we're mm -hmm. not. and that's it. Did you find that particularly interesting? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Right, so we have got an exam question, and it is just a cross. Just put exam question, see resource. So there mustn't <laughs> be any additional questions for this one. In fruit flies, a gene for body colour has a dominant allele for grey body, capital G, and a recessive allele for black body lowercase g. A gene for eye colour has a dominant allele for red eyes, capital R, and a recessive allele for white eyes, lowercase r, and is located on the X chromosome. A heterozygous grey-bodied white-eyed female fly <laughs> was crossed with a black-bodied red-eyed male fly. Complete the genetic diagram below to show all the possible genotypes and the ratio of phenotypes expected in the offspring from this cross. So we've got a dihybrid sex-linked cross. We've got to talk about two different alleles for two different characteristics and whether it's male or female. And it's only three marks. And it's only three marks. So a grey-bodied, so a heterozygous, grey-bodied, white-eyed female fly. What do we think? So it's a female, so it's going to have X's only. X's only, yeah. So, it's, so let's talk about the grey body first. Heterozygous grey body, so it must be... Dominant G. Big G and then... A little G. A little G. Why? How do you know that? It's heterozygous. Because it's heterozygous. So their alleles are different for that characteristic. Well done. So and we know that it's big G, little G. And then it's got the white eyes white eyes and it's female so we know we're going it's to have to put two x's recessive r it's a little case r. r little case r so xx with little r's on both of those mm -hmm. xr xr so that is the genotype for gray-bodied white-eyed white female white -eyed female big g little g xr xr 
X little R, X little R, sorry. Yeah. Okay. What about the black-bodied, red-eyed male? So it's going to have an X and a Y, because it's a male. Okay. And and it's got a black body, so it's going to have a lowercase g. Two little g's. Two little g's, but it's got red eyes, which is the dominant. Yeah. So it's going to have capital R. On the... On the X. It's yes, X, capital R. And then Y. And then Y, that's it. Well, the Y doesn't carry that part, that section. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah, so the male is going to be little g, little g, X, capital R, Y. And again, when you're writing those on the line that says genotype of parents, and of course, it probably would be very much worth you getting this resource, doing it yourself, pause the podcast work it out and then listen to us did you think yeah yeah so black-bodied red-eyed female sarah's absolutely right she's sitting there she's working it out i've said that already haven't i little g little g x capital r y and it doesn't matter which way round you put those as long as you've got the right alleles so what would the gametes be now for a gray-bodied white-eyed female i can't see the (laughs) The Punnett Square. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can't see the Punnett Square. So shall I show you the Punnett Square so you can see it? Yeah. And we can talk it through. Okay. So... The top is the the GXR. So for the female, you're going to have a gamete that contains big G and then XR. And then little g x and then the other gamete will contain little g XR, little r. And then on the male... Yeah. Little g, x, big R, yeah. and then just g, y. And then just little g, y. Because it's missing. Yeah. So I think this is the part that when you're doing them cross and you're learning how to do it and you're you're a student of it, maybe you don't get it straight away. This is the bit that's always going to be the worst part, is knowing the gametes that in the cross. So you can only take one g and you can only take one sex chromosome. For the female, they've got a big g and a little g. So there's going to be one of them in each section of the Punnett square at the top, yeah? And then they've only got XR, so that's going to go with that. If there was X big R, for instance, and it was a red-eyed female, there'd be more possible gametes here because you can mix it up more. Right. Does that make sense? Uh You'd have X little R, you'd have big G, X little R, you'd have big G, X big R, do you know what I mean? So you'd have four? You'd have four possibles, but we haven't got that because... They haven't got, like, four different alleles. Mm-hmm. Their X, R, X, little R's the same. So, And then it's the same with the, the, the male. male. Okay. And then all your possible offspring, so you put those together. And again, our ratio is going to be one to one to one to one. Because we're going 25% to 25% chance each. 25% each. We're going to start off in our top left-hand corner with grey, red-eyed female. Mm-hmm. It's going to be big G, little G, X, big R, X, little R. They're completely heterozygous Yeah. for both features. Top right-hand corner, black-bodied, but red-eyed female. Because, again, they're going to have inherited two little Gs, so they've got a black body. They're heterozygous for their eye colour, and they're female, two Xs. And then the ones that have inherited Y chromosomes are grey-bodied, because they've got that big G, even though they've got a little G. And they are a white-eyed male because they've got the X, little r, but the Y. 
And then you've got the finally in the bottom right hand corner, little g, little g, so black bodied, and then you've got x, little r, y, which again is your white eye domain. Did you find that difficult? A little bit, yeah. Do you think you would have done it on your own? Yeah. Do you think it's the gamete part where you get your, your struggle? Just got to remember that you can only probably put, yeah you can only put one allele in the gamete from each of the characteristics yeah so when it's dihybrid like this you've got to make sure you've got every old every permutation in your gametes and then do your cross yeah which for this is easy because it's just two of each and then you do your cross and then you do your phenotypes of the the offspring so you've got your genotypes then you put your phenotypes and then you do your ratio and again that's three marks Right, so I'll do the roundup. There are two types of linkage in genetics, sex linkage and autosomal linkage. Let's firstly discuss sex linkage. Chromosome pairs 23 are the sex chromosomes X or Y. Females have two copies of the X chromosome, whereas males have one X chromosome from the mother and one shorter Y chromosome from their father. Some genes found on the X chromosome will be non-homologous as the corresponding section on the Y chromosome is missing. Therefore, sex-linked genes are mostly found on the larger X chromosome. As males only have one X chromosome, they often only have one allele for sex-linked genes. So because they only have one copy, they express the characteristic of this allele, even if it is recessive. This makes males more likely than females to show recessive phenotypes for genes that are sex-linked, such as haemophilia and colourblindness. Autosomal linkage occurs on the autosomes, which are any chromosome that isn't a sex chromosome. Two or more genes on the same chromosome do not sort independently during meiosis, so as long as there is no crossing over of these genes, they are linked and they stay together on the original parental combination. If two genes are autosomally linked, you won't get the phenotypic ratio you expect in the offspring of a cross. A gene may have more than two alleles. They have multiple alleles. Human blood group is an example of this. There are three alleles associated with this. You have A, B and O. However, as only two can be present in an individual at any one time, the crosses are fairly typical monohybrid crosses, but A and B are co-dominant, and O is recessive to both, so it is possible to have six different genotypes for blood group. Got any takeaways? Females are usually the carriers. Yeah. The Y chromosome's got a bit missing. Yeah, which is really important there. Because they're always going to have whatever it is that's there. Mm -hmm. If it has a big H, then it's never going to have it. It has to only have lower H's. <laughs> for haemophilia, yeah. Uh, and lower B's. Or B's. Of course, they might not use those letters in an exam question. It might be different, but yeah, you just have to go with whatever letters are provided in the yeah. questions. Then. Yeah. Uh, so wider reading is big biology. Obviously, we talked about that at the beginning of the episode. Basically, they wanted to do an ad swap with us, and we were like, okay then. <laughs> so... Um, they're going to talk about us on their big, massive podcast, and we're going to talk about them on our tiny little podcast. So <laughs> Which is great for unfair. us. Very unfair. <laughs> like we said at the beginning, they've been our wider reading before. Yeah. So it's not really that much of a big thing. Not at all.
Um, if you'd like to contact us, you can go to our website, that is teachmeetscience.co.uk. On there you can find um, our wider reading and you can find um, all of our resources, anything you need on there, it's pretty much everything's on there. You can drop us an email at teachmebiologycast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at teachmebiocast and on Instagram at, at teachmebiologycast. Uh, you can also, if you wish, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash teachmebiology, but we would prefer a tea. We, we do buy tea, yeah. <laughs> I have a message. Hmm. Well, how would you pronounce the name? Aurora? I would say Aurora. Yeah. yeah. I've got a message from Aurora, and it says, A big thank you from a, a French physiotherapist. I heard in one of your episodes that people used your podcast while studying abroad when having difficulties with the local language and wanting to understand the concepts in their native language. While I wanted to share, I am here studying physiotherapy in Germany. I'm a French native speaker and I still use your podcast to understand what the hell is going on in our biology class and it's wonderful. And I'm not the only one. We've got at least three non-English natives in my class doing that. You might have saved your upcoming biology, phys physiology exam. I wish you have a wonderful weekend. Yes. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Like she said, it's not the first time we've had people say that they've come from an English-speaking country or maybe not even an English-speaking country from a country where they have a particular language. Yeah. And they go to a different country, but their common language is English. And, you know, that, that, uh, as if we... Like we're happy people in a way who didn't even think we would help people, mm -hmm. which is amazing, really. Thank you so much. Was that the bell? Yeah, that was the bell. Okay, cool. Happy Halloween, maybe? Oh, yeah. Happy Although this is not, this is going to go out after Halloween. Halloween's yeah, tomorrow. It's Halloween tomorrow for us. Yeah. And um, my daughter's very excited. Mm -hmm. She wants to watch everything spooky. She yeah. wants to dress up. She wants everything. Yeah. So... She wants to watch spooky things and then just sits there like, hmm, I'm bored. Oh, <laughs> you made me put um, Nightmare Before Christmas on today yeah. and then left the room. And I was, yeah. was watching it on my own. Maisie put it on for her last night and she watched it. Like, but she was watching it in a way where she was just like asking for the plot. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I don't, don't like I Nightmare don't like Before Christmas. It. I think it's rubbish. Yeah, I don't like watching it and I only put it on for her and then I was like, where are you going? <laughs> I don't even like it. It's not really my cup of tea, that no. My name is Sarah Matthews. And I'm Ria Corbett. This has been Teach Me Biology, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.